of your presence, your faithfulness, shielding my great reward. I will not be afraid. I will dwell in the shelter of the Most High God. I will rest in the beauty of your presence, your faithfulness, shielding my great reward. I will not be
outside but sherry's still wearing this coat so no sherry is uh showing off one of the uh things that's going to be auctioned off at the beast feast um beast feast is going to be happening january 31st from 6 to 8 p.m if you guys haven't come it's a silent auction 
and there's going to be a camo expo too. There's just there's some stuff on the back table uh, in the coffee shop that's going to be auctioned off as well. If you have any questions about it or you have stuff that you want to give towards the auction, I'm sure you could talk to Norm or Evan out there. Um, and yeah, there's just a ton of stuff that's going to be at the auction. Obviously, we can see from guns to uh, fur coats. So. Come out and support it. All the proceeds, as always, go to partners, and it's a really big event that we have every year, and we make a lot of money that we send straight towards the cause uh, in, in Thailand over there. So I'm going to give the mic to Sharon. and she's going to talk to us about something that's happening this Tuesday. So like Eric said, there will be guns, and then there will be the necessities. And I've already told Evan I'm bidding on this. <laughs> okay. So this Tuesday night, GGF kicks off a new study. It's going to be um, four to six weeks long, and it's on a Max Accato book called Before Amen. So it kind of breaks down prayer and kind of takes it down to what it really is. It's very simple, and it's just simply talking to God, and it's not anything that is scary or overwhelming, but it's something that we should all look forward to do, not think, oh, my gosh, I have to pray again today, but something that you're looking forward to, and it's just easy. Um, there's not a lot of homework. It's not as intensive as uh, our Beth Moore studies are. It's a little bit lighter. And then um, after that, we haven't decided what we're doing, but it um, will be a study following that as well. Cool. Thanks, Sherry. I um, wanted to let you guys know as well, Young & Company, the youth group that we do on Wednesday nights, is going to be kicking off on its regular schedule this week. And we're going to continue doing our regular schedule, high school at 6 to 7.30, junior high 7 to 8.30. Um, and then in about a month, we're going to switch and combine them for about seven weeks for a video series we're going to watch together. So I'll keep you up to date on that. But if you have a middle schooler, uh, 7 to 8.30, high schooler, 6 to 7.30, and that is this Wednesday. I um, want to let you know that Florida is going to be kicking off Class 301 uh, next week um, in Room 103. Lunch and child care is always provided for that. If you have any questions about the classes that we do, you can come to the coffee shop after the uh, service, and there'll be some there to talk to you about it, or just grab Floyd um, when you see him. He's going to be preaching today as well. And then wanted to give you guys a praise report. I don't know if you remember, a couple months ago, we had a guy from our church, uh, Wes Allen, come up onto stage and say that he needed a kidney. And I just wanted to report that on last Thursday night, he got a kidney transplant, and he's doing really, really good. So super, super grateful for that. It's always awesome to be able to stand as a church and see the praise reports uh, that happen through our body. So I want to give you guys that awesome report. One last thing, if you are visiting, we'd love to welcome you to our church and just invite you to meet us in the meet and greet table in the coffee shop afterwards. We'll answer any questions you might have. Uh, pray with you, sign you up for a weekly email or anything else. We have a free gift for you as well if you're visiting. So please join us in the coffee shop after the service. And at this time, we're going to stand and greet one another. And kids are dismissed the kids' church. Um, and we will be back in just a second. Thanks for being here.
to the cross I plead Of the suffering I do drink Of its work I do sing For on it my Savior Both bruised and crushed Showed that God is love
team so much that was that was beautiful and it was wow so powerful um you guys ready for the offering that's what i wanted to hear (laughs) okay let's go ahead and do that father uh Thank you, God, that you enrich us in every way and through Christ every need of our lives is met wonderfully and richly, God. You came to give us abundant life and uh, you, you prosper us, Lord, and you give us favor and you give us wisdom, Lord, to uh, be good stewards of everything, Lord, spiritually and naturally, Lord, and we this morning give our offering 
And it's unto you, Lord, that we give. It's for your sake. It's for your kingdom, Lord. It's investing in you and in what you are doing. And so, Lord, we thank you for giving it to us and allowing us to um, give it back in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Well, I would highly advise you, if you didn't uh, hear last week's message, to go back. You can hear it online. Um, It's actually the first part of a two-part series, and today's is obviously the second part. Uh, Last week, I talked about the corporate vision for us as a church. Um, And this week I want to talk to you about your individual vision. Uh, Some of the, I was going to call it the vicissitudes of vision, um, but basically what I want to talk to you about is uh, uh, how to receive a vision, uh, what are some of the variables that come along with Uh, receiving a vision, and um, hopefully we will begin to put ourselves in a position to know who we are in God and what we've been called to do and the vision for our own personal lives, which works together as all of the, the things that God has called us to be and do individually work together so that we become one body in Christ, and we function interdependently. So it's according to the proper working of every part that that happens. And so you really do need to hear from God about your own life. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I think we have, yeah, we have scriptures up there. Uh, if, you, if you want, you can turn your Bible so you can take notes in your Bible like I do, highlighting and so forth. And, you know, as I'm up here speaking this morning, I want you to have your own little, I want you to get into your own little bubble with God. And as I'm saying certain things, there'll be certain phrases, certain words that I'm going to say this morning. And, and actually what's going to happen is God's going to quicken that to you. What I mean is it's going to be alive to you and it's going to, it's going to ping off certain other things, uh, maybe past experiences or something you read recently, or something you feel God is speaking to you, uh, you know, uh, recently. And so um, I want you to sort of be available to hear from him and let him take you wherever he wants during this message, okay? So um, we'll start here in Genesis 12. Genesis 12. And it says, The Lord said to Abram, And this is, by the way, I mentioned last week, Abram and Abraham are the same person. He just went through a name change because he had a powerful encounter with God. And sometimes that's what God does. He actually changes your your known name. In fact, um, as we go into this, we'll see that there are many uh, individuals in the Bible whose names were changed after having an encounter with God. So the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And verse 3 says, And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. 
That's a, that's a powerful element here. That, that in, through Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed for hundreds of years, including us sitting here today. We're blessed through Abraham, through his faith and through what happened here. And I believe that Abraham, this wasn't the first thing that God ever spoke to Abraham. I believe Abraham began to develop a relationship with God to the degree that eventually God could speak such a word to him and it would come into him and he would say yes to it. He would, he would respond to it. He would take heed to it. And that's what we have to do. We have to develop a relationship with God so that we begin to hear his voice and, and differentiate it from the thoughts of our own mind. It's like when you meet some new person and they call you on the phone. The first maybe two or three times I have to say, you know, I'd have to say to you, this is Floyd. But after a while, I just call up and I start talking and you know who it is. I mean, I don't have to introduce myself. Of course, you always have that on your phone too, but I'm not talking about that. Anyway, you get to know my voice. And that's what God wants to do. He wants us to know his voice. It says, his sheep know his voice. How many sheep are in here this morning? I'm a sheep. I want to know the voice of God. It's fantastic to hear the voice of God. So the first thing here is that the vision that God has for your life is bigger than you. All right. It, it, it's bigger than what you can achieve. It is beyond your ability. It's beyond your sufficiency for you to walk in the calling and vision that God has for your life. It, it, it stretches you. It, 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 maybe it even overwhelms you. You know, listen, we're Christians. We are, we are born to see and enter the kingdom of God, which is a, it's a realm beyond the natural. And you cannot be a Christian by your own abilities, by your own willpower. Do you understand that? So obviously your calling and vision is going to be impossible as well, and even more so. Secondly, it says here, go forth from your country, your relatives from your father's house. Vision brings, and, and I think uh, we'll fill in your blank there on your, on your notes. It says, vision initiates transition and transformation, which brings discomfort. Discomfort is a part of the vision. Because it's stretching you. And it's beyond your capabilities. And you, you immediately go, whoa, 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 whoa. How's this going to work? How's this going to happen? You know, scientists are now discovering that we, when we get a new thought, especially a powerful new idea or something comes into our minds, something we've, we're not uh, familiar with, that it actually is creating a physical change, a physiological change in your brain. And that physiological change oftentimes has, you have a sense of discomfort and apprehension. 
Because it's like your autopilot is set in a certain direction and then suddenly this idea, this thought, this, in this case, vision, this call, takes you in a different direction. And you can actually feel it. I mean, it can hit you so strongly that you actually almost think you're feeling it physically. And in fact, there is a physiological change going on in your brain. So, so it stretches you and it, and it, and it might feel overwhelming. It might feel, it might give you that sense of uncertainty. Because when Abraham went out, it says, it says here, to the land which I will show you. In other words, Abraham didn't have all the details when he first left his relatives, his country, his father's house. Now, all of these things are huge transitions for a person to make and take your family and head out based on an invisible God who is speaking to you personally, not necessarily to your wife at that moment, and, and here you go, you're going to leave everything, you're going to leave your job, you're going to leave your friends, you're going to leave your neighborhood, you're going to leave everything you know and go out to some place and you don't even know where you're going. Uh, uh, Hebrews 11.8 says he went out not knowing where he was going. Now I don't know about you, but when I travel, I want to know where the seat, where my seat is on the plane. And I want to know uh, how far my hotel room is from the pool and whether they have an ironing board in the hotel room or I have to go get it. I mean, I want those details, right? But oftentimes when God speaks to you, when He drops a vision into your heart, when the, when the calling of God begins to distill upon your mind, you do not have the details. But what happens is you step into the vision, you step into the call, and it begins to develop in front of you. It's like like driving down the highway at night. You don't see all the way uh, three miles ahead of you. You only see a couple of hundred yards. But that's all you need. That's all you need. And that's all sometimes God gives you. So he says, I will show you the land that I'm, that I'm taking you to. The other thing is, and I was going to preach a while on this, but I'll just mention it, is that not everybody gets on board with your vision. Okay? Uh, Jesus said that, and, and this may have been the case with Abraham, that he said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. And, and it'll be members of your own family who will, who will reject you, who will be your enemies. You know, when Moses, when Moses went to Egypt, Pharaoh did not get on board with Moses' vision, right? When, when Elijah went to confront the prophets of Baal and, and Jezebel, none of those were on board with his vision. When Gideon went up and and, and destroyed the, the altar of Baal, the, peop, the men of the city came up the next day to kill him. They, they told his father, bring Gideon out here, he has to die. And what about Jesus? When Paul received his call, he went from synagogue to synagogue. And what did they do? They rejected his his message. They rejected him. And so there is going to be some 
volatility involved in your call. And, and people are not going to understand. And you, so you're not going to have the details. And, and there, the whole thing is there's a certain amount of risk involved. Isaiah 49.6, it's in your notes there. It says, Listen to me, O islands, and pay attention to me, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he has named me. God said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will make you a blessing. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And in Isaiah's prophetic word here, he says, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named me. I believe that each one of us, that God, when he was actually, while we were being formed in our mother's womb, God already knew in his mind, I have this call. I have this vision for this person. For each one of you, God knew you in the womb. He formed you. You have a natural DNA that matches perfectly with your spiritual DNA. And, and what God has made you, your personality, your temperament, those things that make you unique and who you are, are perfectly matched with the call that God has for you. Now, He will change you. He will mold you. But there is an essence of you that God is going to pull all the way from the womb to your last day on this planet, and it all has to fit, and it's all harmonious with your call and the vision that He has for your life. You, who you are and what you are is perfectly suited to the call and the vision that God has for you. And let me say this, let me say this, listen very carefully. You may not like who you are. You may think, well, I would rather be so-and-so. I would rather be like this. You know, all these uh, people magazines and, and all the movie stars and all that. I mean, you have people running all over the planet for rock stars and Hollywood uh, celebrities and so forth. And, and people just so wish they were those people. But the only reason that you think that is because you have not yet seen who God has created you to be. Once you see the real image of who He has created you to be, you will never want to be anyone else. You will thank God that He made you who you are because you were wired from the womb and you were born of His Spirit from above. That you and that these two things would perfectly mesh and you would become this incredible person that God's called you to be. And when you see it, 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 it just you look at it, you go, Oh God, oh God, thank you, Lord. Don't I don't want to be anybody else but who you're creating me to be. You know, there are people it says here that God named Isaiah. The name means the essence of who and what you are. When God says, I will reveal my name to, to the, my people, he's revealing who and what he really is. He's revealing his heart. He's revealing the essence, his spirit of who he really is. 
And when he names you, that's exactly what he's doing. He's naming, he's dis- there's in the name is a meaning of who you are and what he has created you to be and who, this, who you are in this union with Christ. But yet there are people who have attempted to name you and have spoken to you about who you are and what you are and what you can do and what you're not capable of doing. When I was in junior high, I still remember to this day a a woman, uh, a teacher, saying to me, you're not a leader, you'll never be a leader, you'll always be a follower. Which I, I have to say, I do totally agree with her at one point. I am a follower. I'm a follower of Jesus. And always will be. So she was right about that. But there are people that have spoken to, into your life. It may be what your father, your mother told you certain things and they went in and maybe they were awesome and great and really did fit with who God has named you to be, but maybe they didn't. Maybe that teacher, maybe that, 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 that friend, that employer named you. Maybe you named yourself. Maybe the devil named you. Trying to name you right now. Trying to tell you who you are and what you are. You have to identify these things, whether they're the truth and line up with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you, and there's this battle going on. Who and what am I? Listen to what Paul said. Paul, an apostle, not by man or the agency of man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul, this is my name. It wasn't, it wasn't the name that his parents gave him. His parents named him Saul. He was known his whole life as Saul. But he had an encounter with God. And as he was walking out, the vision of God and the call of God in Acts 13, suddenly, his name was Paul. Which more fully was congruent with what and who God had called him to be. Paul, an apostle. Not by man. Not by man. Not by me. You don't name yourself. And you don't allow anyone else to name you except those who are speaking by the Spirit of God. We're wired for God, His vision. We are made by God, for God, and nothing can satisfy you but God. Galatians 1, 15 and 16. It pleased God who separated... This is Paul speaking. It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace. Through the favor of God, He was called. Through the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God, He was called. To reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. Ephesians 3, 7. I was made a minister. God said to Abraham, I will make you. Paul turns it around and he says, I was made a minister 
according to the gift of God's grace. And, and the word grace is, is, has to be, there's several uh, meanings and you have to look at the context. And in this context, it would be the sufficiency of God. That he was made a, a minister according to the gift of God's sufficiency. In other words, the divine enabling power of God came on him and therefore he was made a minister. And he says, according to the working of his power. To fulfill your vision and your call, you are going to be made what God has intended you to be. And it will be by the favor of God, the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor, and it will be by the sufficiency of God, his divine enabling power. Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. There's a plan for your life. New Testament, Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship. That word can be translated masterpiece. Do you see yourself as a masterpiece of God? You know that he, you are his workmanship, that he, that he that has begun a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Christ? Do you know that? Do you know that, church? Do you know that, that we corporately are his workmanship, that Friends Church is his masterpiece? We are created in Christ Jesus. Yes, called from the womb, named by God. He has your name in his mind. And you are his workmanship. And you are created in Christ Jesus. And, and for what? That, that there are these good works. There is a plan. There is a purpose for you. There's a sphere of your ministry. You are the ministers of God. You have the calling of God. You have the gifts of God that are equipping you to fulfill these works. Good works, it says. Which God prepared beforehand. Which He before ordained. You see, it's like these works are, 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 are prophesied, are spoken by God the, from the womb. And, and as we're walking with God, we, we, we come across things and we step into the works that God has prepared beforehand. They drop in. They're, they're like time capsules being held in the heavens. And suddenly they drop in front of you and you step into it and you are performing the work for which you've been called. You're performing the work of His workmanship. It, it is a is a congruent thing between who He's making you to be and what He's called you to do. And then suddenly, in time, it happens and you step in to your divine destiny. Okay, so let's talk about receiving a vision for your life and stepping into it. You put up those verses in... um, in Luke 4.16 through 21, this is Jesus. This is uh, um, speaking of Jesus here. It says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, 
he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Now, here's what, here's what normally happened in the Sabbath. I mean, in the, excuse me, synagogue. Um, they, were, they would just, you know, they would be reading in the book of Isaiah, you know. And at one point, they might uh, get up to chapter 23. And then someone else would pick it up from there. And they would read on the next Sabbath and so on and so forth. And, but, but something different happened here. It says that he, got, he stood up to read and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. So he got a little bit out of sync here, didn't pick up where it was left off, but turned where he found this scripture. And it says here in verse 18, which is a quote from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. This is Jesus speaking his vision statement. This is Jesus' mission. Now, I don't think that that came to him at the moment he stood up there. I believe that he probably was fully versed in, in the book of Isaiah and other places and in and, and, and the whole Old Testament and that, uh, that he probably had received this, this scripture in prayer. But there came a time when that scripture was to be released and this is the day. And it says, He closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue, all that were in the synagogue, were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, there are three stages here that I would like to point out. The first one was that he opened the book. Secondly, he received a word, a, a rhema word, a word that was alive for that moment. A prophetic word was given to him. And this was the moment for the fulfillment of that word, for the initiation of that word. And, and he said here, today this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. There are three things about receiving, and I'll repeat this so that during this message, so that you can perhaps really grasp what's, what needs to happen in your heart and in your life to receive the vision of God. But the, the first thing is you have to open the book. You have to open the book, people. You need to be filling your mind with this word. These words are supernatural. This book did not originate from earth. I tell my class all the time, this is an extraterrestrial book. This book did not, its origin is not from earth, it's from heaven. And so when you are filling your mind with these words and these thoughts and the, the things that took place, uh, you, are re, you are beginning the process of renewing your mind. And these words came forth from God and, and were, are things that we need to know and understand. 
And so what we do is we read it. We read it. We think about it. We meditate on it. We fill our minds with it. And I think that a lot of times we're filling our minds with a lot of other things. You realize, you know, something that occurs to me is that every movie that you see, almost every movie that you look at, is, is based on unbelief. There's no belief in it. There are people who do not know God doing all kinds of things, whether they're having a romance or they're, you know, chasing the bad guys, whatever they're doing. They're in all kinds of situations, but there's no God in there. And so really, you really need to be purposeful about opening the book. Open the book. Open the book every day. That's what prepares your heart to hear from the Holy Spirit because oftentimes He will take what you have deposited in your mind and will quicken it to you and make it alive and say, this scripture is fulfilled today in your hearing. Or He will say to you, go forth from your family, from your relatives, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And you will begin to hear his voice, but, but it, it helps so much if you have filled your mind with his word. So we need to open the book. The first level, then, is information. Okay? It's just information to you. It's not revelation. But what comes out of information, you get... You keep filling your mind with information and then what happened to Jesus here happens to you. And God speaks to you and He may say to you, I've called you to proclaim My name. I've called you to heal the sick. I've called you to cast out devils. I've called you to raise the dead. He may speak to you in any number of ways. But it comes after you have filled your mind with this information and out of that information, revelation is imparted to you. And then the third thing is the fulfillment, which is the manifestation, which is what he's speaking of here in in verse 21. I have this revelation, verse 18 and 19, and the manifestation is upon you. He could have been there. It would have happened had they received that word. These verses would have been fulfilled immediately in the synagogue that day. But as you know, if you read a little further, they rejected him, rejected the word. In fact, they took him up to the brow of the hill to throw him over the cliff. So it wasn't received. Luke 24, 45. This is a verse, and you can fill in the blank. It says, Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. You, you can read the scriptures, and we're going to read a story here in a minute, and you can read that story, and it's just information to you. It's, just, it's like you, you, you're reading a New York Times, you're reading a magazine, you're reading a novel. You're just reading a story. But what happens is, what you are equipped to do, which no one else could ever do, no person apart from Christ can have his, can, will, will have his mind opened to the scriptures. But that's what God does. You do, you fill your mind every day with that word. You open that book and then God will open your mind. Okay? So this is how it works. You open the book, you fill your mind with information. The second stage is God takes that information and makes it revelation. 
And the third stage, God takes that abundance of revelation and at some point brings a manifestation of the things that he has spoken to you. So it goes information, revelation, manifestation. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, Paul prayed that he said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened so that you might know the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. So this is such a significant prayer that it was actually recorded in the scriptures. And you need to pray that prayer over your life. You need to go to God. You open that book. You open that book and you say, God, I pray, Father, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation that, and open my mind to these scriptures. Show me what you have in these words. And, and what's really, really awesome is after a while, you keep doing this. You keep in this process. And after a while, you begin to hear God's voice. I'm telling you, I open the word and I'm just, I'm just, I just get things immediately. While I was preparing this message, the message just kept getting expanding and increasing in details and things were coming to me and I started, wow, God, I'm just going, wow, God, wow, God. I'm, I'm amazed. It's an amazing thing for God to begin to quicken your mind to his word and give you what you need to know about who you are and what you are and what he's called you to be and what he's called you to do, the vision, the call of God for your life. And it's God's will. This is God's will for you, that you would know, that you would understand, your eyes would be enlightened. This is a supernatural thing we're talking about here. This is not a matter of scholarship. It's not a matter of reading commentaries and, and, and other people's information. It's about you connecting with God, hearing His voice, your eyes being opened, the veil pulled back, and then you look into it, and, and it, just, it just blows your mind. The hope of His calling. I just want to point out one thing here about the hope of His calling. This is not talking about your calling in this verse. It's the calling that, that the Father had on Jesus, okay? I believe that's what he's talking about. It's the hope of his calling. Well, what would his calling, the calling of Jesus, have to do with you? The fact is, is that there's, there's a threefold element, and I'll get to this in a minute. I'm going to repeat myself, but there's your personal individual call. Then there's the call of how you fit into this corporate body where God's brought us all together that we might work together on something. And then this fits into the eternal worldwide calling of Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying. I want you to see the big vision. I want, to see, I want you to see the mega call of Jesus and how you fit into that call. Okay, so Luke 5, uh, 1 through 11. Now listen, when I read this to you, I'm going to read all these verses, 11 verses. And when I read this to you, I'm, I'm just illustrating to you that it's simply information, okay? It's just a story. And as I read this, there will be pictures that come into your mind. You'll be able to see this scene. Now, it happened while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. This is Simon Peter. This is actually Peter. He went through this whole name transition thing too. 
but it says here, he got into one of the boats and asked Peter, Simon, to put out a little way from the land. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. And, and, and they came and filled both boats. Oh, they, sorry, I missed a line here. And their nets began to break. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And then it says in verse 8, But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement had seized him and his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And, and Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. There is so much in this. It's amazing. But really cool, this part about... Okay, so Jesus is standing on the shore, like I'm standing on the shore, speaking to the, or, you know, speaking to the people, all right? Then he says, he gets into the boat, into the boat with Simon, okay? He's in Simon's boat. Simon had been over there washing his nets, and suddenly he requests that, you know, get into the boat with me and go out a little ways from the shore. So now he's in the boat in the water, a little from the shore, continuing to teach, and then finally he says, okay, now I want you to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. This, this really pictures what I just said to you. The first, the first stage that we are, we're in, the information stage, is, is just we're standing on the shore. Jesus is standing on the shore. It's just information. But what he does is he gets into our personal boat with us. And we, and we push out a little ways from the shore. That's revelation. That's where we begin to hear the individual word. It's not just the, the information from the scriptures, but the scriptures are made alive to us. And he speaks to us personally. And he says, launch out into the deep. And so when we launch out into the deep, what happens? There's a manifestation of the word. That, that he says, launch out indeed, let down your nets for a catch. And suddenly there's an enormous catch. So, it, so, so in a sense, we've gone from information to revelation to manifestation. And this process repeats over and over in your life. And it's all a part of your call. It's all a part of, of what the, the vision of God, the vision that He's had for you from the day you were born, from inside the womb. And, and so let's look at this a little more deeply. It says in verse 5, you know, God loves the number three. There's so many threes in the Word, you just see them all the time. I just showed you one of them. And, and anyway, he says here, Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. That word toil means toil to the point of exhaustion. And there are times in our lives when we have toiled to the point of exhaustion and taken nothing. There are times of frustration. There's times that we fail. And we understand the limits 
of a human possibility. And that's what this part is all about. He fished all night and caught nothing. It's actually a picture of, of, the, of, of the, the entire world from the time of Adam. That it is humanly impossible to produce fruit for God, to, to have an abundant life apart from God, to have meaning and significance apart from God. You will toil all night and catch nothing. And that's what the people of this world are doing. And that's what we can do as Christians until we really begin to hear from God and know who we are and what we are from Him, that we're named by Him. And so He toiled all night and caught nothing. All of His wisdom, all of His strength, all of His three marvels were thrown into that exercise of futility. And yet, Jesus had just spoken to him to again launch out into the deep and let down your nets. And so, Peter's in this process, but what happened was, Jesus was giving out information, but then Jesus was in Peter's boat, and he continued to preach. And so, so in, 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 in the way that it's symbolized here, Peter is, is getting this personal teaching from Jesus. And it's going into him and it's strengthening him. And so there, and so he says, so he says, nevertheless, in spite of all that I've had, in spite of my, the history of my life, in spite of my failures, in spite of my limitations, nevertheless, I will do what you said. I will, I will, uh, what does he say here? At your word. I love that. in spite of his history, in spite of who he was, in spite of what you may think you are, the point that you've arrived at in life, God will speak to you. And it's, there will be a time, there will be this moment where you will say, well, you know, there's a lot that goes against what I feel God is speaking to me. And so you will have to come to that nevertheless moment when you let go of your misgivings and you don't allow that apprehension or that fear to overcome what God is speaking to you, and you say, at your word, I'll do it. And that's the point where you're going to begin to see the transformation that God has begun in your life to begin to produce fruit and the manifestation of His word, of His call, of the vision that He has for your life. You step into the vision. And it says, when they had done this, when they had made, when, when Peter had made that commitment, when he had stepped into the vision, when he stepped into the call, that's when they enclosed a great quantity of fish. And it says, and so they signaled their partners. This would be a good moment to talk about friends of partners. They signaled their partners. It wasn't just, it's not meant to be just an isolated Lone Ranger call and vision that you have, but it's, a, it's something that, that is woven into the, the, the rest of the body. So it's an individual. This is a three, the threefold cord vision calling. You can fill in these blanks. Individual call. Individual vision, 
the body, the merging of your individual vision with the vision of the body of the church. And then the third blank is the hope of his calling, the mission, the Jesus worldwide eternal call that is upon him. And these three merge into one. It says here, and I think it's in your notes, it says, Isaiah 49, 6, it's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nation so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. This was a word that was spoken to Isaiah. It was spoken to Paul. It is the word for the church and it is the word that applies to Jesus as well. It's all merged into one thing. And that is that we are called to be a light to the nations. Friends, church, begin to think of yourselves as a light to the nations. That out of Friends Church, there will be a light that will spread throughout the whole world. <laughs> Friends Church is in the process of transition and transformation. And always has been and always will be. And God says, I will enlarge you to fit the enlarged vision I have for you. Um, when I was, and I'm going to wrap this up right here, but when I was, I was preparing this message, preparing, preparing, thinking, praying, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? And I got to this one point the other night where I was like, God, something's, nah, something's not, something's missing or something's wrong. I just don't feel like this is, there's something else that I need to say. And um, the next morning I woke up and it was just like, he just threw the doors open and I saw it. And, and basically it was, it was uh, Matthew 3, verse 17. And I want to, I'm going to quote this verse, but I want you to know that this verse was spoken by the Father over Jesus. And it was before he really got going into his mission before his, his, uh, the call that he had really began and was initiated, before the miracles, before the signs and wonders, before the water was turned into wine, before he fed the 5,000, before he spoke to the woman at the well, before he raised the dead, before all of that, the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And, and I, I feel like as wonderful and amazing and powerful as it can be that you would have a call, that you would have a ministry, that you would have a vision for your life, no matter how incredible it is, that without love, we're nothing. And really, we need to get our identity and our significance and our sense of value and worth from the Father. It doesn't come through your calling, your ministry, or any such thing. It doesn't come through your giftedness. It comes from your intimacy with the Father. And I really feel like that's the balance. And, and when we look at a mission statement, you know, to call the church to know God, to know each other, and to equip the saints to make Him known, most of these last two Sundays have been about the equipping of the saints, okay? But it really, the great commandment must precede the Great Commission. 
And so we really need to build that secret place life with God and make that your satisfaction. Amen. Um, yeah, the, uh, those blanks. Okay, the individual call. The church body call. And Jesus eternal call. Okay? All right. Thank you. God bless you.
knees and I am lost for words so lost in love I'm sweetly broken holy surrender Amen you guys have a great week
Worship you.、Uh-huh.